Hello, hello. This is Postgres FM, episode number 58. Mm-hmm. And my name is Nikolai, and t- together with, with me, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello, Nikolai. And we are going to talk about sharding today. Sharding, sharding. Two big experts of sharding are here, are going to discuss sharding. Yeah, definitely not an expert here. But this did actually, this came up last week as a topic. Somebody suggested partitioning and sharding as top, top, a topic for top. a monthly blogging event that I'll link it up in the in the show notes. But yeah, we've done an episode on partitioning. I thought it was a really good one. I really enjoyed that and learned stuff and I think we got some good feedback on it. This though is sharding and I think maybe that is a good place to start. Like what the difference is. I, I tried defining it. You gave me some feedback. How do you define them? Well, partitioning is uh, when we split tables, but we remain in on a single node. I mean, we, we might have read-only standby nodes, but mm-hmm. if we count only primary nodes, which have read-write access, it's only a single node. But once we do similar split uh, involving multiple primary nodes, we should call it uh, sharding instead of partitioning. And the name, I guess came from some game in the past. Oh, I, really? I, yeah, it's from it's it's some, some, some game, online game, and they called shards uh, some... I, I should not lie, I was not prepared to explain etym- etymology here, but my part of my brain says it's some, from some game, from gaming, and they called shards some uh, parts of the world, of gaming world, it's basically if we, if we move this concept to databases, we have database sharding. I really like your definition. It's the one I tried to go with in my blog post. So partitioning is at the table level, splitting what's logically one table into multiple tables. And the sharding is the same, but at the database level. So it's splitting what is lo- can logically be thought of as one database, but is actually behind the scenes, multiple databases. Um, right. So that makes sense to me, except, and I think it's worth warning listeners, lots of blog posts you read out there, definitions, even on Wikipedia and other, like, other places that are normally like, quite, quite accurate, they do often use the word partitioning in places that I think would more accurately be described as sharding. So well, it is confusing out there. The, the AP theorem, uh, it's official terminology, network partitioning, right? So, and network partitioning, yeah. I mean, in negative connotation, it's uh, like, in our case, we should call it network sharding, but it's like, doesn't make sense. Also, there's some confusion around vertical versus horizontal. And, uh, well, I don't understand why confusion, but I see people try to say vertical sharding, which actually just vertical split of, like, maybe functional split of databases to, to multiple databases. For example, you see weak connection between two groups of tables. We could say clustering here as well. And actually we can apply some machine learning uh, approaches like uh, basic k-means to try to automatically detect good options for vertical split of databases into sets of tables with weak connections. Weak, weak means like almost no foreign keys between them. And also dynamic relation when we have two tables involved in, in a query, it's also a connection. Though it's not static as foreign key, it's dynamic. So I used it. I, I, used, I used machine learning to try to help people 
understand how to split databases vertically. Vertically means, okay, users are here, products are there, right? And connection between exists, but we don't do it often. Well, maybe it's not a good example, but I, I think it's, it's clear when we have different data in different parts, different primary nodes. But horizontal means we basically take out our table and split it using like horizontal line, right? I think the partitioning case is uh, actually simpler to explain. So horizontal partitioning is at the row level. So we're taking some rows from the table and putting them in a on a different node, sorry, in a different table. And vertical would be column-based. So we're splitting the table based on the columns into two different tables. Now that's, it's the same, but for sharding, right? Like we don't have the same column. It is, it is kind of still columns and rows, right? But we're just taking right. columns as a whole table and putting them somewhere else. And in the horizontal case, uh, we're taking row-level data. Um, so we have the, the same tables across different nodes, but different rows so in each one. Vertical column level, okay, it, it means like uh, if if you studied uh, database theory, it, it should be called like uh, uh, projection, when you have only lim limited set of columns and the other com columns go to different table, you probably have one-to-one -one connection between them, relation between them, relationship, sorry. I agree, and if you do it at server level it's just functional split we should mm -hmm. call it functional split and this is a normal approach to scale your system if you prefer microservices or just mid-size or big size services approach when you split some functionalities in one database and other functionalities in another database so they have some connection of course maybe they have some common part and you need to take care of replication but majority of data is very different in nature Versus, okay, row level means like uh, we have same sets of tables, but different data because some part of data goes to one node, some different part of data goes to another node. So how do we do that? Let's talk. Well, do you want to do how? Or I was thinking maybe we could start with why. Like what, why even why do is this? Simple. Why is simple? Well, <sighs> I think there are a few reasons, to be honest. I think There's they're only different, one quite different. Know it. Performance. Well, scale, right? Like when you say performance, it's um, they are related. We're talking about that. I like it. I think it's the main reason you would ever want to shard, which is hitting a max. Like, let's say you're super keen to stay on Amazon RDS, Postgres, and there's a max size that you can provision, and at su on some basis you're you're getting close to to maxing that out maybe your cpus going up maybe your ingest rate there's some level at which you're, you're scared or well, we can't continue to grow this vertically we can't scale up anymore is that is that what no, you're you about? just used the, the word vertically in different sense <laughs> i mean vertical scaling when we just add the resources more cpu more memory big, better disks so yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, what I meant is if we get to a point where we can't do that anymore, we need to think about sharding. No, not necessarily. Like, uh, again, like, like you just used, again, I, I will repeat, you used the word vertical scaling, where vertical 
word is in different sense compared to what we just discussed. When we talked about columns, you used the word vertical in the sense of hardware resources. So, I mean, we, if we cannot add more CPU and RAM, mm -hmm. vertical scaling, we probably still can split our system vertically in terms of tables and columns and uh, have different parts of our schema in different primary nodes. Yeah, I agree, but I thought we were counting that as a as a type of sharding. Uh, I don't like to call it sharding at all, but but I see people do it. Vertical sharding, okay. Yeah. For me, it's like just functional split, or like going microservices architecture or something, and it has some of problems uh, which this approach has uh, are similar to normal sharding. For me, normal sharding is horizontal sharding. Yeah, okay. When we don't say when we don't specify vertical yes. or, or horizontal, we mean usually we mean horizontal sharding. Same scheme everywhere, but different yeah. data. Right? I completely agree. Same with partitioning. Same if you don't partition. hear somebody say horizontal or vertical, they mean horizontal. Right, right. And vertical <laughs> partitioning also like it's not common. Some yep. people use it again. Yeah. It's just a, it's an attempt to have some unified terminology yep. for everything. But okay, so we cannot live with one primary node. We are saturated. We tried everything of like offloading read-only queries to standby nodes. We reduced frequency probably with some caching, with some optimization, and so on. we still see that we are growing, and soon one node is not enough. It's a very painful situation, very scary, especially for CTO and so on to suddenly to hit the ceiling. And of course, in this case, usually people choose one of two directions as a main one, like, again, vertical split or sharding right away. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they, they need to mix. If it's a really large project, you start with, like, you bet on one approach, but still need to apply the different one as well. Yeah. Right? So... If you like microservices, and microservices is a bigger than technological topic. It's not just technological. Microservices is an organizational topic. You need to change management and how teams are organized, yeah. how they choose technology. They probably choose not Postgres. Some, some teams might choose not Postgres, but something else and so on. So it's a bigger than just technical discussion. But if you choose microservices, probably you don't need sharding. Right, it's, they, they, the microservices approach either solves it this problem of saturation and the inability to scale, or it just postpones it so much that, that you have like five years or so, right? Maybe like the thing, the thing I don't understand about microservices is like, what if you've got one thing that's very difficult to split logically, and that is the most heavy ingest rate of, of everything. So you could easily have right. a, quite a small team looking after one huge node in the, in the microservice infrastructure. So I, I suspect you could still hit this. You know, if you've got like a load of IoT sensors or something, you could get a lot of data very quickly. So yeah, may, may, I think it's possible uh, even uh, in the I, I cannot agree here. A lot of okay. like, if, if you, for example, an e-commerce and a huge mm -hmm. one, like leader or continental leader, Mm -hmm. for example. And I have a few examples, Postgres-based, uh, which I worked with directly or I just learned from them based on discussions with the people involved. So if you choose microservices and e-commerce 
most of e-commerce systems somehow tend to choose microservices approach. They love it. I mean, engineers, backend engineers and mm-hmm. managers, they, they usually choose microservices. In this case, it's very hard to imagine that one of services, which usually you have, something related to registration, inventory, orders, uh, like and so on, many, many services in typical e-commerce. It's hard to imagine that one of them will require sharding right away. You need to grow a lot to see the need in, in sharding of one of those services. It should be really huge. I agree for e-commerce. I think there are some sharding or things that get called sharding that are horizontal but have a different primary driver, I think. And I think that's analytics query performance. Ah, so okay, not- okay. I... I silently reduced the topic uh, to OLTP as usual for me. Yeah, okay. But I agree, OLAP, analytical systems, they can have a lot of data and uh, usually sharding there is definitely a good thing to have. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you here, definitely. Cool. So a couple of a uh, couple of reasons at least uh, for wanting this, but yeah, I think you yeah how is probably a good uh, thing to move on to. Like, what are our options? Uh, right, how? Do? So unlike MySQL world where Vitesse exists, uh, we don't have Vitesse in Postgres, and attempts to uh, migrate Vitesse to Postgres failed. I know a few, and uh, the developers of Vitesse uh, announced that they don't pursue this goal anymore. But we have a few options, Cytos, first of all. And again, like I, I had a joke about we are big experts because I consider my, myself not an expert in sharding at all because mm-hmm. I reviewed Cytos and played with it a couple of times in the past, but it was before Microsoft had, uh, has decided to open source everything. Yeah. So I always considered only open source part because I didn't want to, be, to have vendor lock in to Azure. Mm-hmm. But right now we have interesting situation. They open sourced everything. So it, it's worth reviewing once again, especially the feature, the very important feature for large and growing projects, uh, rebalancing without downtime. Yeah. It's super important for sharding because you never know which node will grow. It's hard to predict. So you need yeah. some tools to change distribution of data in, in the future, but without huge downtime. And this feature was originally only in paid version of Cytos, but now it's open source as well. But I lack up-to-date knowledge. For me, if we talk about OLTP, I usually asked, uh, I I, I talked to them, uh, to Cytos team a couple of times and asked, please provide cases of pure OLTP, good, like heavily loaded systems with OLTP workloads. But everything they provided that time, it was like two, three, four years ago, it was looking as HTAP to me, not OLTP. You understand what so I mean? So hybrid, hybrid, hybrid transactional analytical. For example, yeah. some search uh, and analytical engine for videos or something where it's okay, like only limited number of users and they are motivated to wait a couple of seconds. In this case, it's okay, I mean, to have some latencies. But in OLTP, we have only usually dozens of milliseconds or just hundreds of milliseconds, but not a second. A second kills our traffic and people go away. So we cannot wait. We cannot allow waiting so long. 
And when I benchmarked myself, Cytos was not behaving very well for OLTP. But then I've got res some response on Twitter from developers that I do some things wrong. So very likely I did some things wrong. I mean, I, I was trying to measure latency overhead. This is my favorite test for such systems because the biggest problem for performance when like splitting is not that difficult but when you have something that decides which shard to go router right it adds overhead because it needs to parse the query and parsing query and so on requires time so this adds overhead and for me in all tp case it's unacceptable to have overhead more than a, a millisecond millisecond is quite big already what were you saying? I don't remember details. Okay. <laughs> it was a few years ago. Imagine if it was, and I'm not saying it is, imagine if it was tens of milliseconds, you would deem that completely unacceptable. Yeah, definitely, yeah. because it's already very close to human yeah. perception uh, threshold, yeah. which we know 200 milliseconds. And we need probably multiple queries to serve one HTTP request. So I cannot accept that overhead at all because I know my backend engineers will <laughs> add milliseconds on their own. They, they know how to do, how to add more milliseconds. So I, I cannot allow uh, this proxy uh, middleware, right? I cannot, uh, cannot allow it to have significant overhead. But again, I, my benchmarks very likely were not ideal because of this feedback and I, I never tried one more time so probably it's time to benchmark again and see the overhead of Cytos uh, proxy and you're a few years out of date right if they, they open sourced it a little while ago so it, you're at least that much out of date and I think the latest version included uh, schema level sharding which seems quite interesting for some like OLTP specifically uh, split yeah exactly so that it's quite vertical it, right if you, yeah, if you if you were considering um, if if someone's considering sharding and they're on Postgres, they're gonna look at Citus. They should look at Citus, but there are other options as well, right? Like that's the I will I would uh, revisit this decision right, right mm -hmm. now for OLTP heavy loaded OLTP system. But uh, again, benchmarks are needed once again, and probably some tuning and so on. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know a very. Um, good examples of LTP systems which use Citus, but I, I, I'm not closely watching. I looked at their customer, look, looked at some of their customers and some of them are very analytics heavy. So like Algolia for search, Heap, um, I believe Microsoft used them internally for quite a few things. But Freshworks stood, stood out to me as potentially, like that's a help desk ticketing system, right? Sure, they need to search as well, but a large part of that is OLTP. So that seemed interesting, interesting to me. Yeah, that's interesting. But analytical area, let's look at Hydra, which recently released 1.0. Congrats to the Hydra team. Interesting, column-based. And they inherited this code from Cytos for Com Store. So it's yeah. interesting. I looked at the Hydra website in preparation, expecting them to have something around sharding. But I think they've forked Cytos to do the other parts of what Citus does well, like the analytical Almost processing, there. but no no mention of sharding anywhere on the Hydra website. Uh, maybe at some at some point at some level, you don't really need it if you have column store and, and uh, yeah. vector, vectorized processing. Uh, yeah, so I'm not an analytical guy. I'm not sharding guy. <laughs> I'm not, I honestly don't understand what we are talking he here about.
Let's move on because we do have some really interesting cases and write-ups and blog posts from right. recent OLTP company. Like Notion and Figma both blogged relatively recently in the last couple of years about sharding Postgres. In, what, in the way which I call application server sh sharding, ASS, which I also implemented myself a few times. And this is what you usually choose because you don't have proper tooling. And we probably cite this proper tooling for LTP. Again, maybe someone has good experience or knows about some good experience. I would like to know. Please Same. Co comment anywhere, like on Twitter or on YouTube or anywhere. But applications server sharding or application level sharding, I like application server sharding because it's about this side. Application side sharding, sorry. This is challenging and requires an effort. Definitely. And uh, usually it's quite easy to split and so on, but you need to think about several th things as usual. First is this uh, rebalancing in future. You will need it, definitely. Yep. And how to do it without downtime. Second is how to avoid distributed transactions. For example, it's an absolutely bad idea to have multiple connections to different primary nodes and work with them like in some messy way. You start transaction, you work with different connection, it also has transaction. You, if you do that, if you absolutely need it, you need two-phase commit, two PC. But it's very, it's slow. So you cannot have thousands of TPS on two PC at all. It's impossible. So it's very slow because it has its own uh, huge overhead. So usually in all TP context, we try to avoid two PC unless absolutely needed. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, finally, you also need uh, to take care of this uh, router and should have small overhead. One millisecond is good. Probably so, that's it, uh, high level. Yeah, I, I think the Notion blog post in particular, so there's, two, there's two blog posts actually from Notion, one from 2021 where they initially did this and they shared a huge amount of detail in the preparation, how they chose things, how they were preparing for resharding. Uh, later they rebalancing sorry and then there's a, a follow-up blog post from this year from them talking about resharding without down to or with i think less than a second of noticeable impact on users which is incredibly right. impressive but they they um they might have even used the word partition key or something they they chose to shard based on what's it called um like workspace because people aren't ever people aren't ever looking for information from two uh, workspaces at the same time. So you don't have that same problem. Yeah, that's actually the same as with partitioning. It's, it's very di difficult. And I saw cases when people spend a lot of time trying to find the ideal partitioning key or sharding key in this case, or yep. a set of keys. For example, unlike partitioning, we, where we can, for example, choose one key and it's enough, uh, we also need to think about how a right workload will be distributed among multiple nodes here. And for example, we know Timescale Cloud, they, they unfortunately not an open source, they have basically sharding as well. And there you need to have two keys. One is time-based, timestamp, but it's not enough. Why? Because uh, if you just use only timestamp, you will have hotspot. One shard will be receiving all, most of the rights all yeah. the time. So you yeah. need additional... For balancing, you need a second uh, level of second key, basically, as a part of uh, complex key. So, for, for example, a workspace ID could, could work. 
here as well. Timescale multi-nodes are a really good point, actually. I was looking it up and it looks like you can self-host it. So even if it's not open source mm. by definition. It's interesting news to me. Okay. According to the, yeah, I was reading some, I only, I also thought that wasn't true until I checked the docs. What is today. the license? I didn't check, sorry. They have two licenses, Apache and uh, Timescale, which is not open source. I very much doubt it's not. I don't think they're doing anything on the Apache one anymore. I think that's their old stuff. But anyway, let's not guess. Uh, I'll link up the docs and people that are interested can look into it themselves. This episode is full of guessing. But let's let's return to this main topic. You need to take care of these things and uh, mm -hmm. you need to think about, as, as usually when you're architecting something, you need to think about how much of data you will have in five years and how will you approach rebalancing with minimal cutover time. So you need probably involve uh, logical decoding, logical replication. It's improving in latest Postgres versions. But it was a surprise for me in one case when it was, it was not about sharding. It was about a vertical split in, of a quite big system. And I was considering a logical uh, replication right away to perform a split. But split was like in, in two parts, like 50-50. And in this case, it's, it's easier to use just physical replication and drop tables on both sides, which are not needed. Because it's easier to install. It has less bottlenecks, um, fewer bottlenecks and so on. So in some cases, uh, just physical replication and then you drop tables you don't need. Uh, and also uh, a balancer and uh, lag detection is interesting there. So let me add one more item, which is quite like huge item. If you go, uh, doesn't matter, microservices or sharding, you, you're going to have many more nodes. And uh, in this case, uh, operational side, you should be better. Auto failover, backups, provisioning, uh, balancing, uh, everything should work much better, more reliably. And in this case, it means that you need to simplify. If you rely on managed Postgres, probably it's also okay, but you need to trust it 100% and so on. But if you manage Postgres yourself, before in increasing the number of primaries, you need to unify, for example, naming convention. It takes a lot of time if you have different uh, schemas of naming of hosts, for example, for different parts of your system. And then you design some very good tool, which, for example, performs minor or, or major upgrade or something. And then you bump into issue of deviations. So you need to simplify, unify everything because you are going to have many more nodes now. Yeah, it's a great point. It's not cheap to add sharding. It adds a lot of complexity. So it's right. a good idea. That's a nice point to simplify. Things. It's not about sharding. It's about just growing fleet in terms of uh, clusters. Postgres, you have more Postgres clusters, so you need unification and simplification and so on. So I actually thought, just thought of, an, like uh, thinking about the other options out there, I do remember hearing and reading up on EDB's product, it kind of in this area called Postgres Distributed, now that's an that kind of raises the point of a different use case for sharding, which is, well, the, one of the the big advertised features of that is being able to keep data local to a region, for example. So, like, if you want to keep your bidirectional replication involved, so that it's the new. Let's yeah, dispatch this topic because it's very different and specific. It's not sharding. Well, yeah. but by our definition of one logical database split into multiple physical databases it kind yeah. of is 
but then you need to replicate in both directions and so on. Uh, this is based on the claim that replaying logical replay is easier than initial apl apl apply of changes. And so far, I haven't tested myself. I saw it only in BDR documentation, but I don't think it's so. I think it's more marketing claim. I didn't see benchmarks. So let's like let's keep aside uh, bidirectional replication completely and return to this topic in a separate episode. And because we also don't have time for it right now, I also wanted, wanted to mention two different tools. Okay. First is PGCAT. For example, yes. if you, right, if you want to mm, to shard yourself, PGCAT already offers a simplified approach because uh, it provides sharding in like originally provided sharding in explicit form. Uh, application needs to say, okay, this this needs to be executed, and I know on which shard in the comment. So like basically just some uh, helper tool. But you need to take care of a lot of things yourself. But I saw this, they improved, improved it, and some kind of uh, automatic routing already there. And also overhead is quite low. I tested it long ago again, like an, a year ago maybe. And overhead was not bad at all for LTP. Uh, it's written in Rust, so quite performant. Interesting. I, I would look at it. And it's been developed quite at good pace. And another is SPQR. Mm -hmm. from also under development i watch changes in both repositories and i see a lot of development happening in both projects and this project was developed with idea of having more automated sharding uh, tooling similar to vtgate and vitesse yeah is would you call that it do we need another name for it is it almost like pooler level shard if we've got application level sharding is this pooler level well well, yes. Well, if in this case, we, we can distinguish like application level sharding, application side sharding. It's when backend engineers is responsible for everything, basically, almost, yeah. or almost everything. Uh, additional like software can be, can be put uh, like in transparent fashion. Yeah. Yes, we need to take care of rewriting some queries because we don't want to deal with multiple shards at the same time yeah. Yeah. often. But we can distinguish uh, at least two two types of this middleware uh, which helps us with sharding first is like right like vtgate style or this spqr style or pgcat when something lightweight is placed and it doesn't include postgres code or at least uh, majority of postgres code in this case this tool needs to parse queries Postgres queries. Postgres syntax is very, very advanced. So it's a mm -hmm. challenging task. Grammar is huge. And another approach is placing a whole Postgres node in between. And in this case, I think latency overhead is quite significant. And this is what PL Proxy in Skype 15 years ago, developed more than 15 years ago, uh, was doing. And uh, it's quite interesting approach. I, I'm not sure about overhead, but it has limitations that you need to rewrite all your queries in uh, the form of uh, server functions because it's a kind of language. PL oh, wow. proxy, it's a language yeah. which is similar to MapReduce approach. But overhead is interesting. But at the same time, Skype was LTP definitely and uh, overhead requirements were quite strict. It's Again, it's similar to PGQ. I lost art or lost knowledge. Well, so. if you... like. I was thinking we could end on like where do we think the future's going a little bit and I think Vitesse is a really interesting case. I do think we're maybe at a point where 
the Postgres based startups that started in the last 10 years or so are really at a scale that YouTube were at when they started needing this and, and they started building Vitesse. And I wonder if maybe we're, that is what we're starting to see with the likes of PGCAT, that we're starting to see some of these companies that have built been built on Postgres really needing some better tooling here for their own use cases or you know as you said before the 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 bazaar of different options lots of people will build their own tooling and maybe one of them will emerge like Vitesse did for MySQL uh, and we'll have that in 10 years time it'll be the same place maybe I don't consider Pidgeket as a sharding solution it's more like pooler but with, with very lean approach to development when uh, they decided why not to having this, for example. And unlike PGPool, like they don't aim to uh, solve every problem completely. For example, this explicit approach when you, as a backend engineer, is putting a comment on which shard it, to execute, so you are responsible for routing. And there's, like, it's, not, it's manual routing, right? It works quite well. It's a, a simple feature. Why not, right? So I think with Postgres, somehow very good sharding solution never existed. And Vitesse has many features uh, which uh, usually are overlooked. For example, asynchronous flow of data between different parts of system. And if we consider a huge project, uh, we shard different parts differently so basically we already split into services right so we need to shard users in one way and products and or orders in different way in this case we have basically two vertically split uh, parts and already then we split them horizontally but in this case we want to avoid uh, dealing with multiple nodes so why not having some kind of materialized views which will, will would bring data asynchronously with some delay but quite reliably, so we could uh, work with uh, local. So, I mean, if you imagine some sharding system with, uh, with ability to have uh, different sharding keys for different parts of schema, plus you add materialized views with ability to be incrementally updated, not fully, yeah. okay. and ability to be incrementally updated asynchronously between nodes, Plus also global dictionary, because sometimes you need some global dictionary and also ability mm -hmm. to synchronize everything. This all something like is something like Vitesse has already yeah. in MySQL world. But Postgres somehow don't have it, right? And I think it's possible to build it from bricks. It will take time, all these things. But somehow like full-fledged solution doesn't exist. Again, I'm, I'm lagging in terms of uh, Cytos understanding. But uh, because for me, uh, like there is a requirement on the overhead. If it, it's not passed, I, I'm already looking at different direction. And so, so right now, I would re revisit Cytos, revisit uh, PGCAT and SPQR, and uh, if tested in my for my case, and then go with application side sharding once again. Yeah. Unfortunately. Last question from me. I think I saw what, what, for, for, for uh, to have complete picture. There's also a third type of sharding when we maybe fourth type of sharding when we don't shard uh, in, in ourselves. We, when we don't have middleware, but we decide to split our system to multiple systems. If you talk about sharding, uh, you talk usually about database split. But what if we split whole system? For example, we had only one website, but now we have ten websites. 
but they have, for example, unified authentication subsystem. So you have one login that works on, on each one of those 10 sites. And this can probably solve, your, uh, you mentioned this problem, to have data closer to your customers. For example, you could have one website for one country, another website for a different country. Maybe you have hundreds of websites. They have single login system, but and they have different databases. In this case, you split horizontally also, right? But you split not at database level, but at like whole system level. So they have everything separately. What about this approach? Yeah, and it, by the way, it's not just about speed. Like, it's not just about latency of having data close to users. It's also about residency, like privacy, mm, legals. Law. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this approach is interesting for SaaS systems, maybe, like Notion. Yeah, well, but interestingly, they didn't. Like, they, they've uh, there are a lot of benefits of keeping it as a single application, right? Um, Simplicity of management, or like having, let's say, I'm part of one company in the US and part of a different company uh, in Europe. I can I can have my works. I can log into the workspaces within the same UI very easily. So I, I suspect you can do it even if it's uh, two different applications. You just need a single. Uh, authentication system it's possible to do so you use one login it's for google services you use one login for many many different uh, services right it's it works similar here we can have different systems they are the same if we forget about the legal details they are all the same but you log in to all systems using a single login it works everywhere like seamlessly yeah i don't know i don't know if it would be quite as easy like it's not easy for example okay <laughs> it's not it's not easy but you can grow a lot using this approach like uh, yeah. scalability is infinite i think i saw a talk by gitlab talking about splitting systems out uh, i think I, I think it might there might be a recorded version of it but i suspect you know more about it than me which route did they go well a disclaimer they are still my customers yeah. So, so I would recommend checking their documentation. It's very transparent. Most of things are public. They split vertically first. It's, yeah. And it's obvious for systems like GitLab because if you think they have a lot of functionality, but some kind of functionality is quite uh, automatic and it's related to CI/CD pipelines. And this is exactly what was uh, moved to different database, CI/CD data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's coupled very, very well inside CI part, but it's not that connected to different parts. Oh, by the way, check out what they needed to do with foreign keys when performed this split, because they needed to create a new concept. I, I forgot the name, but basically how it works, uh, it's a, like asynchronous foreign key check between two databases. So it's quite interesting concept, which helps you preserve at least something when you move data to multi to different nodes and this is useful this experience is useful probably for other systems as well and right now i think they like they, they go to direction probably i don't need to discuss because it's still under development uh, and but you can check their website uh, documentation and open issues a lot of information is open yeah for i mean foreign keys are notoriously difficult i think that's something for test still is working yeah. on it might be soon even i forgot the name unfortunately but there is some yeah um, 
uh, some name GitLab invent, uh, like used, invented, they introduced some uh, new concept for... We can find it and link it up, right? Yep. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nikolai. Good. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And catch you next week. Bye-bye.